I hope you are aware of the significance of the time that our church is in. And it hit me the other day that this church has had two transitions of pastors, two in 50 years. That's pretty good. And, and I have been part of both of them, uh, one coming and one going. Uh, uh, but uh, when Bill Wilson founded the church, was part of the start of Brentwood Baptist Church and has stayed here 20 years, and I came in. And, um, and one of the things that folks could not understand is that Bill Wilson and I were best friends. And uh, other than my own father, there were few people who had the impact on my life that Bill did. And, uh, and, and you, you celebrated that. And Bill and I had a, had a blast uh, hanging out together and working together. And, and now we're bringing on Jay. And, and we hope that same transition, we're praying for that same transition to happen, that, that he and I will continue to partner and, um, and, and, and share the work together and encourage each other as Bill, as Bill did for me and as, as we work together. Now, the, the one common denominator in that, that, that very unique story is you. And, and the, the interesting thing is you let Bill Wilson be Bill. And you let Bill be, uh, be Bill. You let me be me. And uh, you never said, we wish you were more like Bill. There were some times where you told me you could learn some things from Bill. But uh, uh, you let me. Jay is not me. Thank God. Huh? We got enough me's. Uh, but Jay is going to bring a different uh, skill set, a different uh, perspective that will be unique and needed as his church moves into the future. So do not take this moment lightly. Be prayerful. Vote. I, I, I voted no, but um, <laughs> uh, y'all say, well, Jay's going to see the video. Jay knows. I've already told him I voted no. So. But this is an exciting time for us. And, um, and I'm, I'm grateful that, um, that the Lord has, has allowed me to be part of it. You know, I always, always get a little, uh, little tickled when people tell me, hey, I'm looking for the purpose of my life, or I think I found the purpose of my life. Folks, the purpose of our lives has never been in doubt. It was given to us in a commandment that we call the Great Commission. Now, if you're Southern Baptist, you know this by heart. But just in case you didn't grow up Southern Baptist, I'm going to put it up on the screen. It is found at the very end of Matthew 28. And go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's your purpose. Now, all of us work that purpose out a little differently in the details. We work it out in different places. We work it out with different, different conversations. We work it out with different gifts. But that is the purpose. Everything in your life, everything in my life, serves that divine mission. God has a plan. You are part of that plan. Acts 16 tells us how Paul was confirmed that he was part of the plan. Stand with me in honor of God's word. Now, Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, and there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was Greek. 
The brothers and sisters of Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him, and Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. So he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since he knew, since everyone knew that his father was Greek. And as they traveled through the towns, they delivered to the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. Now they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, and they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to, to, work, to speak the word in Asia. They came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Before time, you were putting together your plan through Abraham, Moses, David, and all the rest, through Jesus, through all the apostles, now to us. This plan of salvation to redeem a lost and broken world to you to bring us all home. So as you confirmed in Paul's life, his, the details of his ministry, do, so, do that for us now here in this moment that we will surely know what we are about and why we were here, but we'll also know the how and the where. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now, if you have a, a, a paper Bible, in the back is that divinely inspired section called the Maps. Uh, and the maps are very important to me because I grew up in, in Southern Baptist life. I was at church way more than I should have been. And what you do in the middle of a boring sermon is you play games on the maps. So I know the maps pretty well. One of those maps is called the Missionary Journeys of Paul. And you will have a red line, a blue line, and a green line showing where Paul went on his various missionary journeys. If you're following what we're talking about here, the second missionary journey, you'll notice something as Paul gets into Asia. As that line for his second missionary journey heads into what we know now as Turkey, Asia Minor, Paul seems to take a couple of, of dips to the right and stops, goes on up, stops, goes and he does this two or three times before he finally turns left and heads into Macedonia. Now, women who are looking at that going, well, great, another man who wouldn't listen to her directions, okay? But we have a, a several times, about three times, where Paul turns to, tries to turn right, and Jesus tells him, turn left. He's going back to the churches, right? What do you do after a great tour? You go on another tour. So Paul's going back on a second missionary journey. He's taking Timothy with him. Timothy's father is Greek. Hint, hint. Paul doesn't pick it up. 
He tries to go deeper into Asia. He was more comfortable with the Asian culture. He was more comfortable with that uh, worldview, that way of thinking. God was taking him to the West. God was taking him to preach the gospel at the intersection of the Greek philosophers and the gospel. A lot of things would change because Christianity engaged Greek philosophy. And it happened because Paul took the word into Macedonia and on into Greece. He tries one time. The door is shut. Did you notice the progression? He tries one time. The door is shut. He tries a second time. He is forbidden. Third time, he has the dream. You can almost hear the spirit going, no, Paul, turn left. Paul, no, turn left. Finally, Paul, go to Macedonia. It's left. So Paul takes the gospel. That was his mission. That was his purpose, to make disciples wherever he was. That's your purpose, to make disciples wherever you are. Now, we get this confused because a lot of us search for our purpose and we think it's about career. It's not. A lot of us think it is about success. It's not. It's about those opportunities that the Lord will give you to tell someone else about the gospel, about the conversations he will open up, about the places he will put you. He'll put you in places. He'll bring you in intersections of people's lives so that you can tell them about the love of Jesus. Now understand, there's a plan. Acts 1.8. You remember Acts 1-8? We say it here all the time. Okay? Acts 1-8. You will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. First Jerusalem. There is a priority of mission, a priority of place. And the first place you start is right where you are, right where you are, and you look immediately around you. Who is in my home? Who's on my cul-de-sac? Who's in my street? Who's on my neighborhood? Who's in my classrooms? Who's in the hall with me, where I, in the dorm room with me at college? Who is the professor who teaches in the room next to me? Who are the people who work in the same building with me? You start right where you are. The story of the Gerizim demoniac. Y'all remember this guy? Jesus lands, the man runs to Jesus and goes, go away, don't hurt me, go away, don't hurt me. Jesus heals him, and at the end of that healing, when Jesus is leaving, he tries to get in the boat and leave with Jesus. And Jesus pulls him aside and says, no, you go home. You go home and you tell people there what Jesus did, what I did for you. You tell them there. You go home. The last place the man wanted to go was home. But it was a place that Jesus had sent him. Most people in the New Testament who were followers of Jesus Christ did not leave home. Now we celebrate Peter, we celebrate the disciples, we celebrate Paul and all the missionary journeys, but most of the people that we have the stories about, most of them stayed home. 
Now, if you grew up Southern Baptist like I did, then it was all, always about foreign missions. Now, I know the proper way is international missions. International, I understand that. But when I was growing up, it was foreign. Foreign missions. And there was always this lady named Lottie Moon that we were giving money to who was doing foreign missions. Imagine my surprise when I found out she was dead. <laughs> Had been dead for a long time. We're sending her a lot of money. Now, if you grew up like I did in Southern Baptist life, it was always the missionary who was the hero. Couldn't wait to have a missionary speaker, somebody who had given their life to God. And now they were preaching in Asia. They were preaching in Africa. They were preaching uh, somewhere in, in, in Latin America. They're preaching somewhere else in the world. And we were always about international missions. The missionary was always the hero, somebody who went on the other side of the world. And we focused so hard on international missions, we lost the United States. It starts at home. Every bookstore you have, every bookstore you go into is going to be filled with a new section on spirituality. There are books and books about deeper things, spiritual things, the greater truth. Most of them are nuttier than a fruitcake. <laughs> Why is there such an opening? Why are there so many questions that need to be answered in a gospel conversation? Because no one is telling our friends about Jesus. They're going to a bookstore and getting wacky version number two. So where are you? Who is it? around you that Jesus wants to reach. That's your purpose. Now, how you do it, how you fund it, Paul was a maker of tents. How you do that is totally up to you and to your giftedness. But let's not confuse that with success. Some of the most successful kingdom pastors don't have a dime to their name. They're doing time in some international prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. By any world's terms, they are not successful. But do not confuse that with success. Jeannie and I are decluttering our house. You know what you find out? It's all clutter. It's all. And it's amazing how your thinking changes as you start decluttering your house, right? Uh, as a Baptist pastor, as you can imagine, I have amassed quite a collection of suits. Jeannie says, how many suits do you need? Well, need, I don't need any, you know. I, well, how many are we going to keep? So she starts pulling off suits uh, and, and dress shirts, and she'll say, uh, this shirt's worn out. Oh, okay. Then she'll point to a stamp. What's the story of this stain? I don't, I don't know. So we start piling up stuff. Okay, now, now I'm looking at my clothes going, I, I kind of like that suit. Second or third day, you just throw in. You don't care anymore. Just but I can't remember buying that suit. I can remember standing in front of the mirror going, I look good. <laughs> people are going to see me in this suit. They're going to they're they're respect me. 
suit didn't work. Still me in the suit. Now, here's what's funny. There's going to be some guy find that suit at the Goodwill store. He's going, ooh, I look good. I want to find that guy and go, hey, suit won't work, bud. I just want to tell you. I just want to tell you, suit won't work. Okay? It's all clutter. Do you remember in the 1970s, we had an, we had an epidemic, just an epidemic of executives dying at their desk, falling over of heart attacks at their desk. Most of us work at least 60 hours a week, if not 80. And hear me, you're spending your life on a future trip to goodwill. You're spending your life on a future trip to goodwill. Don't confuse worldly success with the divine mission that you're called to. You will go to a conference to find your purpose. You will buy lots of books. You will hire a life coach. Here's the one thing you won't do. You won't ask Jesus. About your purpose. You'll be just like Paul. You will try to serve Jesus by turning right. And the whole time he's telling you to turn left. You'll be really committed to your purpose. It just won't be his purpose. Jesus told his followers, what one of you being a good father if his children asks for a fish, would give them a serpent. If they asked for bread, you'd give them a stone. How much more then, if you know how to be a good dad, does the Heavenly Father know how to love his children and will give him the best? If you want to know, Jesus says, ask. If you want to find, knock, seek. And it will all be open to you. Even your purpose. 